Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. Good to have you guys here with us. We do want to congratulate Justin and Bethany Garrison. They had their son, Dashiel, last Sunday, right? Is that the right way to pronounce it? Dashiel? Dashiel, okay. So Dashiel, and congratulations to the beaming grandparents over here. And so you can go see them for pictures. Um, And if you'd like to see pictures of my grandson, hang on, no. (laughs) This morning we're going to continue our series in the Beatitudes. And the last few weeks have been pretty tough. I mean, we've had to talk about blessed are the poor in spirit. Luke's gospel just says the poor. You never think of poverty as something that is a blessing. Or last week we talked about blessed are those who mourn and grief is not something we look at and think of as a blessing. And so things might not be as emotional as they've been the past couple of weeks, but they're not going to be any easier. This morning we're going to be talking about allowances, choosing teams, Revelation chapter 11, seagulls at the beach, and licking the frosting off of a spatula. Okay, But our text this morning is Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Let's pause and let's pray. God, as we look at this passage, this statement of yours, Father, may we not try to dance around it. May we not skirt things to make ourselves feel more comfortable with the lives we're living. May we lean into what you're saying And allow even how uncomfortable it can be to have an effect on us. I pray that you would give us insight, that you would give us a heart that understands and is willing to change. And I thank you for this time and for everyone here. In Jesus' name, amen. So, remember that before Jesus started giving this Sermon on the Mount... He was talking about the kingdom of heaven. And so all these things that he is presenting to us are really foundational for what it means to be a part of this kingdom that he's talking about. This place that God is wanting to rule and how it looks. How that rule shows up in the people around us. And when we talk about the idea of blessing... There's two different words that are used both in the Hebrew and in the Greek for the word blessing. One is the result of what a person does, 
and the other is something that is there, something that has happened. When I was younger growing up, we would get allowances, and allowances for us were connected to chores, right? And let's face it, we always thought it was like, you know, child labor laws or something like that. And all we had to do was take the trash down to the street or wash the dishes, something like that. It wasn't difficult, but then we would get an allowance. And I forget how much our allowance was. I'm thinking it was around the $2 area for a week. You know, of course, they'd feed us every day, but never mind that. We would get the $2 a week. My friend, though, Eddie Nalbandian, you're listening, Eddie. I remember this. Eddie would get $10 a week. I know. And Eddie didn't do any chores, right? Eddie didn't have to do chores. Allowance was just his parents' way of saying, here's some money. You have it to spend. It was $10. I had to take the trash down once a week to get my $2, right? Life was tough for some of us. First world problems. But the whole idea is the blessings, there was the blessing that would happen when you would, blessed is the man who does not walk in the counsel of the ungodly, but his delight is in the law of the Lord. See, one is you have to do or not do something and then you get something. Well, the Beatitudes are not like that. It's not a, if you do this, you get that. It's not a, if you are meek, you will be blessed. It's more like, a, congratulations, you're meek. And you might not feel like, well, I don't feel really congratulating by being meek. Another term might be gentle. We don't use the word meek very often, right? It's not something that we use. But the whole idea is it's gentle. It's humility. It's something that is who we are, not we do this to get something else. What does it mean? And maybe what doesn't it mean? Well, it does not mean, and I have to apologize because I have shared that it means this. It does not mean strength under control. I know, I've taught that. And many of you thought, well, no, it's like a horse, right? There's a mighty horse, but it's under the reins and it's under control. That's not what it means. I'd like to think it means that because it makes me feel good. I can be meek if I think I'm strong and under control. But the idea really of meekness is a horse that's been tamed, a horse that's been saddled and has been tamed. The word in the Greek actually was a person who could not own property and was in servitude of someone else for their survival. So that gives you an idea of what the word meek means or, or gentle or a person who is dependent on. And again, this strikes so much against our culture. Because when I think of meek, I immediately think of weak. That's just how my mind works, right? And we don't use the word meek in positive ways. The Rams are a really meek football team. They lose every game they play. Right? It doesn't come. You don't look for meekness in a lot of the things that we want. We're not looking for a player who's very meek, who's very gentle. We need an NHL player you know, who's going to get on the ice and be gentle. It doesn't happen. 
We're looking at someone who's going to be very pushy, moving things forward, someone who's going to be aggressive. That's what we look for. Humility is not something that we esteem. And you see, humility is not thinking little of yourself. It's really just not thinking of yourself. And it's important to recognize that meekness or humility or gentleness is not low self-esteem. And that's important because it's not thinking little of yourself. Humility is not insecurity. But they all seem to go together. When we think of meek, we think of gentle, we think of humility, we start to think of insecurity. Or maybe we think of shame. And we think that those things all fit in there because we are used to more domineering, aggressive. It's part of the culture that we've been brought up in. And so meekness is a condition that you find yourself in. So why would you desire to be meek or humble or domesticated like a a horse saddled and, and controlled? Why would this be something that Jesus would present as a blessing? What is so blessed about being any of these things? Is it that they will inherit the earth? Is the, the future reward something that you long for and so that's what we want? Because I know a lot of people of faith that aren't very meek, especially pastors. Usually they're not very meek. Usually they're more abrasive or they can be. And so what is this that we are wanting? Why would we choose this? But that's the point. You don't choose it. It chooses you. You see, Jesus is talking to the people who are already in that condition. We don't choose when we're going to be humble. Humility usually chooses us, right? Any of you guys remember when they would choose teams up for sports? How many of you, the people, were you take him, right? After everyone gets picked, there was the last person that was like, I don't want him, you take him, right? Humility chose you. I wasn't looking to go be humiliated in front of my classmates, but there it happened on the playground. I I would not be in that circumstance because I would always be the one to choose the teams. That way I didn't have to worry about being last. I'll choose the teams. That way I don't have to be picked, right? That was my way of getting out of it. But you see, meekness is a characteristic of compassion and caring. People of integrity frequently suffer demotion. People who have compassion are oftentimes people who have endured hardship from other people and know what it's like. And so they are sympathetic to that and don't want to see it continue in other people. And so this humility that finds us, this being humbled, and it's not just on the playground, it's in life. It happens in so many areas. It could happen on the job. It could happen with family. It could happen with our health where pretty soon we're humbled, right? It used to be I lifted too much weight and I had hurt my back. Now I just sneeze. I sneeze. Oh, oh, what happened? I sneezed, you know? I'm out for the week. It's humbling. I didn't choose it. It chose me. It found me and left its impression. And now I'm in this place where 
I've been humbled by any of these other circumstances. It's found me. And this is where Jesus speaks to us. Jesus is addressing people who are already meek or who are headed in that direction. His disciples, in fact, had to learn what meekness was from Jesus. Jesus said in Matthew eleven twenty nine, Take my yoke upon you, and for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. A benefit of meekness seems to be rest for our souls. And so just as rain finds the earth, meekness finds the people of God. It rests on them, and then they get to rest in it. But you see, for us to rest in this, there has to be a way of thinking differently because we are not living in a society that thinks about humility, that thinks about gentleness, that thinks about meekness. We, we live in a society where it's have to fight to get it. You have to be the, the loud voice to get the promotion. It's the squeaky wheel that gets the grease. And so we want to step into these things And so this beatitude is an invitation to see our situations differently, to think about what happens to us differently. And so here's another way of thinking about this beatitude. Think of blessed are those who aren't chosen by either team or for the beauty pageant or to get the part in the play or for that reason are not driven by competition, but instead learn compassion and cooperation. Blessed are those who are not in a competition to win, but are living a life as they are supposed to be cooperating with those people around them. See, Isaiah 42, verse 3 said, A bruised reed he would not break, a smothering wick he would not snuff out. Speaking of Jesus, saying he was gentle. He wasn't there to assert himself over people. He was there to try and lift people up. And that's something that you find in meekness because you're already at a place where you're not needing to establish yourself. You're not needing to prove to people who you are. You're accepting where you are, and you're actually there now able to engage other people and help them out where they're at. This is meekness. This is gentleness. This is humility. Can you guys think of ways where maybe God has kept you humble. Things that have happened where it's forced you to think differently about yourself or about how you're living. This past Wednesday, I was studying and I was preparing for midweek. And we're going through the book of Revelation on Wednesday. And so I was reading, and one of the commentaries I was reading, and they said that out of all the books in the world, the Bible is probably one of the most difficult to really understand. And out of all the books in the Bible, the book of Revelation is probably the most difficult to understand. And in all the chapters of the book of Revelation, chapter 11 is probably the most difficult to understand. And that's what I was teaching on Wednesday. And so thanks for all those who came to watch me squirm on Wednesday. But as I 
Haggai was there going through and wrestling this. Who are these two witnesses and breathing fire and they die and they come back to life. And if you want to know what it means, you got to come on Wednesdays or listen to the podcast. But as I was wrestling with this, all of a sudden I heard this thump, 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 thump. And it's my grandson, my grandson Judah, right? It's the little rhino, I call him. And he's coming running down the hallway and he's coming into the the area where the rooms are. And the doors are closed, but sometimes he doesn't care. And, and so he opens the door and bam, it flies open into the closet. And I know that means he's in the hallway and he's going to come into my room. So I get up to go shut the door on my room because I don't want him to come in because I'm studying. And as I start to shut the door, he sees me and I close the door and he falls on the ground. And he goes, Ampa, Ampa. And he starts crying as I shut the door. Oh, my grandson, don't judge me. And I can hear him on the ground crying out, Ampa, Ampa. And my heart just breaks. I'm like, oh, God. And I open the door and I hey, buddy. And he gets up and smiles as if there isn't a thing wrong in the world. And he comes burging into the room like there isn't a care in the world. And he sits on my lap, my lap and we spin around in the office chair like we do. And I'm reminded that I'm really not that important. That what I'm doing is not so important that it would neglect my grandson. That the family is not an interruption, but they're my life. And you see, it, it takes a, a honest reflection at who I am to get to the place where I need to be. And it's God's way of humbling me and just saying, you know what? It's not that big a deal. And it wouldn't matter if there were thousands of people listening. You're still not that important. And humility is a great way of refocusing our life. I don't know if it's a universal trait, but I know it happens with me and some people I know. It's true for a lot of us. We care so much about being recognized for our talents, our achievements, what we can do. And there's nothing wrong with doing things well and getting recognition. But when we start doing things for the recognition, there's a a strong reaction when we're not recognized, when we think people don't appreciate us enough. It it, it triggers something in us, something that's usually hidden there. And you know how much pride you have when someone doesn't acknowledge you and you get all bent out of shape because of it. They didn't say hi to me. They didn't send the text back. He's the pastor of the church. I would think he would think it's important. And we get all upset about these things. Paul said in Colossians 3, 3, For you died and your life is now hidden with Christ in God. There has to be a recognition that something needs to be let go of. That meekness, gentleness, humility is taking those things that demand recognition And recognizing that they aren't worth much. Find that failure is a better teacher than success. It's useful to me. It it helps 
put things in the right perspective. Being stripped of everything, possession, status, friends, it isn't fun. But sometimes there's a value there because you find out what is most important, what you really need. And those times of struggle, as much as we hate them, they are the times where we grow in depth and maturity. When the illusions are removed, when all we're left with is our true self. Another benefit of letting go of the ego is that I find myself actually drawing closer to God and at the same time being drawn away from the things that really don't matter so much, that are distractions. The life that really cares about what matters thrives where the consuming competition of life is starting to be starved. And so it's important to recognize these things, right? And what helps me get back to humility is actually humor. Did you know that humor and humility, they have the same root? And so it's actually good to laugh at yourself. And I think if you look at yourself clearly, you'll laugh at yourself more. The mirror is a great way of teaching you funny things. If I take myself too seriously, I'm likely to take everything I do too seriously. When that person doesn't say hello. When I don't get those recognition and I start thinking, they owe me. They should say hello. They should show a little respect. Who do they think they are? Have you ever been at the beach and there's seagulls that are like digging for the sand crabs in the sand? And they'll be flying around, they'll be sitting there, and all of a sudden a wave will come. And they fly out and they start squawking. They all start making noise as if this wave was intentionally interrupting them from getting the sand crabs, right? They're just like complaining. It's just kind of like, hey, what's this wave doing here? It's getting in the way. They're just like boistering, complaining, and it reminds me of myself so many times, right? You're driving, and then this guy cuts you off. First of all, this guy did not cut you off. A car got in front of your car on his way to someplace else. There was nothing personal. He was not thinking about me at all. He wasn't thinking, ah, there's Sam. I've been waiting for him. I'm going to cut him off right now. He doesn't know my name. He won't remember what kind of car I have. There is no concern about me whatsoever. But in my story, the wave is crashing in, and he is getting in the way of my life. And he is going to cost me another 2.5 seconds before I get to the location I'm supposed to get to. Oh, my gosh. That's funny. Even though I'm furious at the time, if I step back and think about it, it's like, oh, my gosh, really? I think it's about me? How much do we do that? Humor is a good way of practicing humility. Being human is a good way of practicing humility. 
recognizing who we really are. Right? Genesis chapter 2, verse 19. God let Adam know how things are. You're dust, and to dust you'll return. Just in case you didn't know, here is setting things straight. Sometimes it's good to know that this is about where it is. Now, God's not trying to bring our low self-esteem to an all-time high, right? He's not trying to, to deflate us. What he's trying to do is say, see things clearly. I mean... If we are living well, we may live to be a 100 years old. And in the span of humanity, that's not very long. Don't take yourself so seriously. As I said, Jesus is talking about the kingdom of heaven. He's talking about what is ahead and what will last. If I've only got a 100 years... Am I making the world a better place or am I making it a more difficult place? If I live just to please myself, I can guarantee you I am going to make the place worse for others because I'm only concerned with myself. But in meekness and in gentleness and humility, I will actually have the ability to make the world better for others. And this kingdom of heaven is talking future that God is working in. And it was a part of the prophetic tradition that the Hebrews understood. There was the the restoration of Eden. There was the fulfillment of what God is doing. And in the time of Jesus, the blessed state and the restoration state were combined. You are blessed. You are now receiving from God, and God is going to restore what his intention was for humanity. And this combination is evident in the Beatitudes, for they will inherit the earth. It's looking forward. And the word translated earth there occurs five times prior to this verse. And each time it's translated land, the land of Judah, the land of Israel. And an inheritance is the land. It had a specific meaning to them in their scriptures. Joshua, they appointed land for each of the tribes. It was their inheritance. The kingdom of heaven is the equivalent to Israel's land of promise. It is the goal to which we look forward to. Our inheritance is the land that God is establishing to inherit, not to conquer. We're not going to go and get up guns and knives and go conquer and bring about the kingdom of heaven. It's something that God gives to the meek. Meekness isn't something you do, it is someone you are. And life has a way, if we allow it, to make us humble and make us meek and make us malleable for God's hands to work and be able to give us this inheritance. Blessed are the harmless, the unassuming, For they have a secured place among God's people in his coming kingdom. The blessing is future, but Jesus tells us that the future is now. 
Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. When is his will to be done? Now. When is the kingdom of heaven? Well, it's starting now. It's not happening as soon as we'd like. Not the whole world. Not this wonderful new world that we're looking at. But we get a taste of it. I remember when I was a kid and my kids, when they were younger and my mom or my grandmother or my wife would make a cake because I didn't make a cake. And they'd always make the frosting. You remember after the frosting, they'd dump it all out and they'd have the spatula and they'd have the, what are those things? The beaters or whatever those things are. Those things. We'd always share those, right? It's like, can I lick the spatula? Can I lick that thing? Just to get that sugar. And it was like so good. And you'd get your finger and you'd put it in that bowl just to get every little bit of that frosting. I think I even licked the bowls. You know, it was just like, oh man, it's so good. And all it was was a taste of the cake to come. I was like, oh man, can't wait to have the cake. See, we are waiting for that, but right now we get the little taste. The Spirit gives us a glimpse, a taste, an experience of the future. And like the parable of the treasure that was buried in the field. And the person went and sold everything that they had just so they could buy the field. You see, we have a glimpse, a taste of what this kingdom looks like. Gentle and it's meek. We find rest for our souls. And to be a part of it, we have to be people who can live in that condition of meekness, of humility, of gentleness, of esteeming others as more important than ourselves. Like Jesus gave us the example to do. And as we start living this life, we start finding out that people are what's important and that spending a few minutes with your grandson means more than all the studying or understanding you can do about the most difficult book, about the most difficult chapters, about whatever. It doesn't compare to that relationship of being with someone and enjoying that time with someone. And we can't have that unless we are meek, unless we are gentle, unless we are humble. It's worth surrendering everything to. And it promises us an enjoyment of a full future. This is a life that is blessed. Blessed are the meek. They will inherit the earth. Let's pray. Father, the idea sounds so compelling to be meek. But the process I struggle with. I I fight against my ego surges up within me and cries out to be heard, cries out to be seen, cries out to be recognized. And yet, your example was the opposite. You cried for others to be heard, for others to be seen, for others to be recognized. And as you did that, it was recognized what you were doing, that there was more 
more to life than the individual and what that individual can obtain. There is more to life than what one person can strive and compete for, that there is a kingdom that looks like gentleness, that is seen and experienced in relationships, in love and in caring. And Father, I pray that we would have insight into this and into these words and that we would allow them to change us and our attitudes and the things that maybe need to be knocked down a little bit, the things that need to be reevaluated, that we would allow what is important to truly be important to us. And I pray, Father, you would help us in this dance of living these things out in the world that we find ourselves in. May we have this character that we saw in you, gentle, meek, humble, and filled with life. Lord, we pray for that in us, in our community. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. May you allow gentleness to find and refresh your soul. May it settle on you like rain from heaven. And may you embrace it. And may you grow in it. And may you find your identity in a God who loves you and has given himself for you. God bless you guys. Have a tremendous week. Enjoy each other's company. God bless. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.